Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Holy wisdom, holy word. Please be seated. Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Most gracious and holy God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day and the gift for each other. Send now to us your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts and minds to the word you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. In our gospel reading this morning, Jesus has just begun his public ministry when he returns to the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. There he reads words from the prophet Isaiah that basically announce his mission statement. This morning, I'd like you to try to imagine what it was like for Jesus that day. There he was, sitting in the synagogue of his hometown, surrounded by many people he grew up with, people who probably knew him well. I picture him resolute, speaking in a strong voice, strong but compassionate. As you think about what it was like for Jesus that morning, I'd like you to stretch your imagination even further. Can you imagine Jesus in the synagogue that day with one big difference? Can you stretch your imagination to picture Jesus as someone who is living with a disability? He was, after all, fully human and fully God. What if Jesus had some kind of a disability? Can you picture it? There he was, sitting in the synagogue, after just barely beginning his ministry in in public. Then, when it was time to read the scripture, Jesus stood up to take the scroll. Oh, that's right. He couldn't stand up. He was living with a disability that wouldn't allow him to stand. So instead, he probably leaned forward and nodded. Then he was handed the scroll, and he opened it up, and he began to read. Oh, that's right. He couldn't see. He was blind. So instead, he spoke from memory. He knew what he wanted to say that day. He knew the words from that prophet Isaiah by heart when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus said these words, he told everyone who was listening that he was sent to bring new life to the world, new life through a new relationship with God. 
new life that brings with it a new way of seeing. Those who were spiritually blind would now have clear vision. They would see themselves and one another as beloved children of God. This new way of life would bring with it a new way of being, a way of being filled with compassion, grace, and forgiveness. Jesus knew that the words, the year of the Lord's favor, were a reference to a jubilee year. He knew that long ago, God said that every 50th year was to be a year of jubilee, a time of joy and celebration, a time of great reversal, restoration, and inclusion, a time when all debts would be forgiven, all property would be returned to the original owner, and all slaves would be set free. Although he knew that there had never actually been a literal jubilee year, he did know a story in scripture about a mini jubilee of sorts. And the story goes like this. After David had become king of Israel, he remembered a promise he made to his best friend, Jonathan, who had been killed in battle. A promise to always show kindness to Jonathan's family. Honoring that promise, David sent for Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who had been living with a disability and as an outcast since his father's death. David told him, I will restore to you all the land that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you yourself shall eat at my table always. From that day forward, what had been lost to Mephibosheth had been restored. And his status was reversed. No longer an excluded outcast, he now was welcomed in, and he ate at the king's table like one of the king's very own sons. David's attitude, his way of being towards Mephibosheth, reminded Jesus of a jubilee kind of attitude. It's the kind of attitude he envisioned all people would have for one another. It's an attitude of inclusion. Those who were marginalized would no longer be pushed to the side. Anyone who was shut out from the full life others enjoyed, all of them, like Mephibosheth, who was disabled, everyone would now be included as a vital part of the community that Jesus envisioned. Today, Jesus' mission of reversal, restoration, and inclusion remains the same. He still desires a community filled with a jubilee kind of attitude, an attitude where grace, compassion, and mercy abound. In this kind of community, people are not individual examples of perfection. No, instead, you are a group of people dependent on one another. Each person is valuable, each person is needed, and each person is appreciated by the others. The Apostle Paul uses the metaphor of the human body to explain it. He writes, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, to the feet, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Sometimes you learn what it means to be strong from someone who appears to be weak. You learn things like fortitude, determination, and perseverance. We all learn from each other. Each part of the body has their own God-given gifts and talents, gifts and talents that enrich the lives of the people around them, gifts and talents that only they can provide. And Paul also reminds you that if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. 
Do you remember the story of the paralyzed man in the Gospel of Luke? This man's friend, all of his friends, they put him on a mat and they carried him to Jesus. But when they got to the house where he was teaching, they could not get him through the massive crowds. There were so many people, they couldn't get inside the house to get to Jesus. So they climbed up on the roof. They actually dug a hole through the roof and then they lowered their friend on the mat down to Jesus. They went to great extremes to get their friend the help he needed. They went out of their way. They got creative. It took time and it took energy and they had to work together. But they did everything they could to help their friend. Today, there are many people in our country and in the world who are like that paralyzed man. They live with a disability and they need help. Much has been done in our country and in the world to help, but much more needs to be done. According to the World Health Organization, there are more than one billion people in the world who live with some kind of disability. That's one billion with a B. If Jesus were disabled, he would be one of those billion people. Currently, the United States Census Bureau estimates that nearly one in five people in the United States have a disability. Again, one in five. You've probably heard of Professor Stephen W. Hawking. He was diagnosed with ALS when he was 21. And so for most of his adult life, he has lived with a major, major disability. He's also a genius by anybody's standard. In fact, he's considered one of the most brilliant theoretical physicists since Einstein. Hawking says that his contributions to this field of physics have made it possible for him to have access to quality education, excellent health care, and it has given him a voice that can be heard around the world. But he also knows that most people aren't so fortunate. This is really about human rights, basic human rights. According to the World Health Organization, people throughout the world who live with disabilities have poor health outcomes, lower educational levels, and higher rates of poverty than people without disabilities. And a recent article in the Seattle Times points out that people die as they wait to receive Social Security disability benefits. According to a report by Social Security's Inspector General, there is just a huge backlog of people waiting to be granted disability benefits. The backlog is a result of people waiting, on the average, over 600 days just for hearings to grant them benefits. The report pointed out that last year there were 7,400 people on wait lists who were dead. 7,400 people needed help and they did not get it in time. Ten months after the death of bricklayer Chris Hoffman, a judge ruled that he was entitled to benefits. And a hearing was finally granted to Chris Schuler, an airplane mechanic, but it was too late. He had already died four months earlier. Oftentimes, people with disabilities are subject to violence, abuse, and prejudice simply because they live with a disability. Barriers continue to keep many people with a disability and their caretakers from attending church and other activities. Transportation is just a huge issue. I 
know someone who came to a church function one evening, and when it was over, this person waited two hours for a special needs bus to arrive just to get a ride home. Yet, in spite of all the things I've mentioned, you and I can still be hopeful that one day Jesus' vision will become a reality. The barriers that create exclusion for those living with disabilities in our country and around the world, well, they can be overcome. And as they are overcome, the treasure of unmined potential within those living with disabilities can enrich the world in ways we haven't even imagined. That's one of the reasons inclusion is such a big deal here at Holy Spirit. Because you know the power of inclusion. You know that inclusion is life-changing and life-giving. Inclusion in social, political, and religious activities, in all aspects of life, it's vital to everyone. And that's why having a Disability Awareness Sunday is so important. It draws attention to part of our community, or part of our body, as Paul puts it, who are oftentimes still living a life with limited access to health care, education, and even housing. It draws attention to a part of our community who are often isolated, unseen, or unheard. And it draws attention to part of our community who have gifts and talents to share. When you stop and think about it, it really isn't such a big stretch for you or me or any of us to imagine Jesus living with a disability and yet able to perform such life-changing ministry. After all, Christ dwells in each one of us, whether we live with or without a disability. God is present and works through each one of us. Today, on this Disability Awareness Sunday, that just so happens to take place during the Jubilee year of Holy Spirit Lutheran Church, Jesus invites you to continue to be a community with a Jubilee kind of attitude. He invites you to continue his work of reversal, restoration, and inclusion, all the while being filled with compassion, grace, and forgiveness. And may God help and guide you to do so more and more each day so that everyone can enjoy the abundant life that God intends. Because everyone is deeply loved and valued by God. And like Mephibosheth, there is always a place at the King of Kings table for each and every one of you, too. Amen.